The only podcast that was almost a chill sandwich. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast, the only podcast that was almost a Jill sandwich. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the Chris Redfield of this podcast. And with me, as always, is my Albert Wesker, Bo Schwartz. Uh, hello, Crofton. Good to see you again. I am I don't, happy to be here. I don't trust you, Wesker. I think you're up to no good. Wow, Let's you are split up. very suspicious. <laughs> Let's split up. All the time with the splitting up. We'll be, we'll be uh, safer if we split up. <laughs> no, you we won't. Why do they always do that? <laughs> They'll never be safer. No, of course uh, not. So anyway, um, just so you know, everybody, video gamers already do, but if you don't, it's the 20th anniversary of Resident Evil. So this episode will be peppered with plenty of... Resident Evil puns and uh, dialogue and such. How are you doing, Bo? Ah, you know, I've been better. Sunday, I'm feeling a little lazy, as we do on Sundays. But, um, I mean, I'm good. I can't complain. It's Easter Sunday. Yeah, the worst Sunday of them all. Is it? No, I don't know. (laughs) I'm being um, uh, controversial. Hey, you ever notice how they call Good Friday? Uh, It's good, but it's the day that Jesus was killed. Why is that good? It's because he comes back to life, I guess. But he dies for our sins, so that's good. But I, it's kind of ironic that it's called Good Friday. They should call it Lousy Friday. Yeah, I think even that the fact that he came back from the dead doesn't make it good. That's some real like results-oriented thinking right there, which is like, oh, it was okay because he came back to life. Like, I committed murder, but it's okay. I brought the person back to life, so the murder thing, really not so bad. Shit, Jesus just died. This day sucks. Oh, wait, he's back? Oh, man, this day was, in retrospect, super awesome. You know, like, <laughs> if we didn't kill him, it. he never would have come back, and then we wouldn't have awesome Christianity. Jesus Christ, the original superhero. Okay. Uh, but, That's but, true, actually. <laughs> this is a good point. But, before we go on, because I have much I would like to say about superheroes, I feel it is best suited for our new section, Bo, uh, section that we call readme.txt. Yep, it's readme.txt where we discuss the items of news in the headlines that interested us since the last time we did a show. So, not anything and everything. And, um, Crofton, let's start with you. Was there anything you wanted to talk about that you saw in the news over the past couple weeks? That uh, Yeah, we're, and we're, while we focus on the video games, like a lot of this stuff cross bleeds in the pop culture stuff into itself. And um, I noticed recently that GameSpot has been sort of taking an, a uh, 
the IGN approach, which is they've started to work in like superhero movies and pop culture, things that are interested above and beyond video games. And Bo and I are similar in that we have a lot of interests above and beyond video games. We sometimes talk about them. I think it's hard to go anywhere right now without talking about uh, Bat or hearing about Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Oh, now, yeah. full, dis- full disclosure, I have not seen it. The movie's opening this weekend. <laughs> Bo, have you seen it? We don't play or watch the things we talk about on this show. No, no, I, At some I, point, I'm we just, can stop full disclosuring. <laughs> no, no. It just came out. It just came out. Like, it's yeah. fair enough that we yeah. haven't seen it. It's making, uh, according to early estimates, and we're filming on a Sunday, so the weekend grosses are coming in. It's the biggest Warner Brothers opening, I think, of all time. It's the biggest DC Comics opening of all time. It's the fourth third or fourth biggest superhero movie opening of all time both avengers and iron man 3 open bigger but aside from that it's it's the biggest bigger than the dark knight bigger than the dark knight rising rises so it's big money um the the reviews have been bad for it uh pretty much across the board low lowish and uh, the audience reviews like the cinema score thing that they do is 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 charting lower than man of steel was the last uh the last dc one that was universally sort of considered a disappointment so there is some like there's some excitement and there's some some like uh negativity and i've honestly from the trailers been someone who's who's kind of being skeptical about this film and uh um i still want to see it because like it's batman and superman in the same movie but at the same time i my excitement has been tempered for a long time ever since they released that trailer bow i'm not sure if you saw that trailer with um doomsday this sort of cg creature at the end did Um, you see that one it was like the second one they released yeah i did actually yeah. Now, there's a rule in superhero comic book when they when they fight each other, two cuz you get two good guys that fight each other. The the it always goes like this. They meet, there's some sort of misunderstanding or the, generally caused by a third-party villain or something like that. They get into a fight and then somewhere during that fight an, a bigger villain comes along and they have to team up and fight that bigger villain. That's just generally how it works. So at the end, the heroes are both. There's never a winner. Like the 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 two the hero the two heroes that fight. There's never one that beats the other because they always get interrupted before the end, right? Right. So um, so in this case, uh, it I knew that that was essentially going to happen, but I didn't. I really wish they hadn't showed their hand so early uh, in the trailer. Like they revealed what's his face in the trailers. So um, Doomsday, he's going to be the 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 thing that they unite to fight, obviously. Um, And it it kind of frustrates me a bit, too, because Zack Snyder, the director, has said that he's inspired on one of my favorite comic books uh, of all time. It's The Dark Knight Returns. It's a Batman uh, Elseworld sort of story. It takes place with an older Batman in the future. So he's inspired by that. But then on the other hand, Doomsday is from the Death of Superman story arc, which is a huge story arc that deserves its own movie. So he's mashed these two legendary story arcs together 
into into a movie, it feels like too much all at once. And then he throws Wonder Woman in there, and then there's cameos from all these other guys. Like it'll be a I'll be curious to see it, but it looks like a giant marketing creation, you know? Or a fanboy movie. Like, you know, if if you you know those fan movies you see on YouTube or something? It's like some some fanboy creator got given a ton of money and it's like, make whatever you want. And he's like, Okay, I'm just gonna make and all these characters and all this CG and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, we'll, yeah, well see. But the, I, these movies are like these universes and these heroes, like the, the canon is so big and all they have is like two hours to make a story out of it. Like, but they don't they have to put use too it much, all at once. They can't put There's too gonna... much. I yeah, know. That's what I'm saying is they can't put too much in. Like if you love that stuff, it's like you want to make 10 different stories all in one movie. I don't know. It seems well, like, if you look at the Marvel way, and I'm not necessarily saying that they need to do it the Marvel way, but I, I think it's the best approach where they release a movie, they tease a couple of things, but mostly have a very consistent movie, they introduce a character, they do that a couple of times, then sure. bring all those characters together in one movie and so forth. Don't don't force it all at once, but I, I get the feeling that DC is so far behind that they – they are desperate to 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 get all this going at once to catch up to Marvel, and um and so so they they're rushing it instead of doing a Ben Affleck Batman movie and then a, a where they you know cross over a little bit as they had the Man of Steel movie and then a Wonder Woman movie and then all that sort of stuff and then they all get together in a joint movie they they're just they're doing it right off the hop. So I'm a little disappointed, but we've known that for a long time that they're going to do that. Uh, I just, I'm not surprised by the critics on this. And uh, a lot of people like to shit on the critics and people are, you see all these memes going around from fanboys being like critics or failed filmmakers and all sorts of stuff. And when everybody starts shitting on the critics, it's because they just, it's an inconvenient truth. As Al Gore would say, uh, the movie is probably less good than, 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 um, fanboys want want it to be so i well we'll see i haven't seen it yet but i'm i'm really like skeptical yeah i uh i think it'll be entertaining but i don't think it's gonna be super great i I'm... i the critics are saying that it's that's the thing they're saying it's not very fun it's dark serious takes itself real seriously and i, like I can you know, sort of get some of that from the trailer i like that but i think that probably doesn't suit the suit people that are superman fanboys probably don't want the Batman treatment in their Superman movie. That's a good point. You know? I don't think so. I think that's a good point. Superman's supposed to be the Boy Scout. The, he's supposed to be the 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 like light and sun and good and all this. Batman's the only only DC character that in in the Batman universe should be is dark and dirty and dismal and, and that's not even a hundred percent of the time. There's still the Adam West 1960s style Batman still exists. Where it's like crash bang pow, but Batman's really the only one. And it's funny because Marvel and 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 going into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is the second season of Daredevil. Marvel has a, a series of characters that are like dark characters and and mature storytelling, and and now they're they're putting that on Netflix. And I think that's I think that's a cool way to to go about it. But Marvel has always been the one that I associate as a comic book reader with the darker stuff, but yet DC's movies like wonder woman's an Amazonian princess, Superman's an alien from Krypton and Batman's like a billionaire with toys. And like they're they're they've got this sort of grim, you know, 
cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Marvel's all jokey in the cinematic universe, but it has characters like the Punisher and Wolverine that, you know, much more ma- mature, violent characters almost, yeah. you and would now think. Deadpool. <laughs> and Deadpool. And Deadpool, right, yeah. Most notably. Um, I think DC, doesn't it have its, like, darker-themed stories like Sandman and... Um... I don't that's know. Ver- that's Vertigo. Vertigo, which yeah. is a separate imprint sort of thing, but yeah, it's uh, it's mature storytelling. But and they do have, some, but in the main superhero-y DC sure, yeah, universe, yeah, yeah. Batman's is pretty much as dark the, as it the, gets. Yeah, there's there's like Deathstroke and a couple of other guys that are, but but I mean it's not uh, there's not that many super like even Batman doesn't kill people really. No, I know. although. He supposedly does but in this act. What, what makes Batman dark is not just Batman; it's Gotham City. Like Gotham, the way Gotham's always been pre- presented cinematically was basically a giant shithole. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like you know, full of mobsters, like full of the types of criminals that are that are you know that do the bad things that are in dark stories. Whereas, like, I always. You know, like Superman's like someone wants to blow up the planet Earth or something. Like it's something very right, broad yeah, and bigger. evil, but like it doesn't get into the nuance of hum- human depravity or things like that. Like it's really just megalomaniacs versus Superman. So I don't know. And I really had a problem with the uh, in the in one of the reasons I never got into DC Comics as much as it, I had a I, some of those big super crazy world dominating things to to I like Batman I like his street level problems but to have Batman in that world it's like when when it's like Batman and Superman have to team up against an alien that wants to destroy the earth I'm like yeah one of those guys is probably more useful than the other, but they're going to find some way to make Batman. He's like, oh, I invented a new gizmo that's going to defeat this alien. I'm like, no. I'm like, just stick in your corner of the woods. And that's what they did with Daredevil. Like, Daredevil, they they make reference to this, the incident, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and the incident is the events of the Avengers, the first Avengers with the aliens and all this sort of shit. But they don't want to talk about it. Daredevil is essentially a blind version of Batman with no money. And, uh, and he's he's he, he in that same way like you wouldn't buy Daredevil in the same sort of sphere as Thor and Iron Man, you know. Like he just he just would get his ass whooped, you know. And and bat for Batman to be in the Wonder Woman Superman sphere, it seems kind of un un. Likely, let's say that my suspension of disbelief. I believe in a Norse god of thunder, but I have a harder time believing that some billionaire with toys can keep up with Superman. That's my only. Yeah, well, it can't. But you know, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure the movie's good. I'm. I think people, and I haven't seen it yet, but I think you know there are a lot of people that are invested in the fandom and have expectations. Yeah. I think it's going to be good in the same way that the Transformers movies are good in that. On an ob- objective so scale, <laughs> on an objective scale, they're probably poor, you know, shoddy, and you know, in some respects, poorly done. But they're they're not the worst things in the world. Like they're they aren't. People just like to pick on things and to shit on things when they feel expectations have not been met. But at the same token, I don't know. You like you're not like oh. This Van Gogh is really good, but this Van other Van Gogh really really shitty. Like these are artistic creations. Like they aren't all created equal. Just enjoy them, and if you don't, don't watch them. That's it. I guess, but like I I think that there's 
Transformers have always been a marketing thing. Like they were developed to sell toys to kids, right? And that animated show has That's we've right. grown up with the nostalgia. And uh, whereas Batman and Superman have reached sort of a mythic point where they've had some significant adult storylines. I think specifically of the Dark Knight Returns for Batman. And I just I think a lot of us want to see those uh, storylines played out in theaters. Um, it's just I I think that there's we want it to be great uh we don't just want it to be uh there and mildly entertaining and that's 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 the uh, the issue because like the ninja turtles i love ninja turtles when i was a kid the Ni- michael bay ninja turtles movies came out they got poor critical reviews they're making a lot of money but I, honestly i could not really care because ninja turtles were always kind of like you know there's only so much depth to a ninja turtle whereas yeah, let's not the, walk down that road because ev- like anything you liked as a kid didn't have that much depth whatever what whatever your spider-man you has depth see I, there are people was, who would say no like you can't take shots at spider at, at tmnt and 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 be into spider-man because I, i've read the original tmnt is, comics and they're pretty me good too. they're pretty good they, 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 they are good i would they're, take tmnt been, over spider-man no, not me, man. I, I, no, I've read a lot of both, and I'll, I will tell you that Spider-Man is just like he, – he's a, he's a deeper, more layered character than any of the Ninja Turtles ever were, right? So uh, – but, but anyway, th- that said, like moving on away from Batman versus Superman into the second season of Daredevil, I want to talk to you maybe a little bit more about this next week because I'm three episodes from the end. I know you're already done the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, – I was sort of like skeptical of the second season a little bit just because, um, again, with the superhero movies, like if you look at the Batman, Batman Returns type model that's been used a lot, a movie comes out, there's a hero, there's a villain, they're both introduced, they're both developed, then the sequel comes out and they have two villains and then the next sequel comes out and there's three villains and then you have the Batman and Robin movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and all the wheels come off. So season one was sort of like the video game season in the sense that there was a big boss. He was like alluded to at the beginning. You finally get to see him. He's developed as a character and they finally confront in, in the last episode like of the first season. Season two, they had announced previously there were going to be big characters in it like Elektra, the Punisher, amongst others. So season two – for me, I was worried it was going to be like too much, like too much stuff. Um, but on the other hand, they've already really set the tone with Daredevil. They've introduced him and all this, so they 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 can spend less time with him. So I I have really enjoyed it so far. But I'm wondering if it's going to stick the landing. And I've heard sort of mixed things about if it does. And a lot of the critics that I've read have talked about how it's a more comic booky feel. And like the first season was much more of a crime drama. And, and even though it had its comic book elements, I think that this season is much more rooted in like superheroes and supervillains and, and characters like that. And so if you're not on board with that shit, if you think you're watching The Wire season 18 or something you're not anymore now this is clearly like a superhero thing and i think i could see how that would put off some people on luckily for me i'm not one of those people yeah that that stuff you know i don't think it really put me off i mean i almost would actually rather that considering i watched jessica jones and i found that to be real boring 
Um, so I was just like, oh, just make with the superhero crap already. <laughs> you know, like either give me David Tennant when David Tennant's on screen. I'm, I'm happy. It's, it's fun. It's a fun show again. But, you know, this other crap is just, man, I just, I ended up not really enjoying it that much. And um, so, Derek, mm-hmm. I, I did kind of enjoy the fact that it was a little bit more about his crime fighting activities and less about his personal relationships. Although, I have to say, it was still a lot about his personal relationships, and they, I didn't find them too enticing. The other issue for me with that show is they started off really strong because J.M. Is John Barenthal? John Barenthal as the Punisher is awesome, and then that story kind of concludes. It's a four episode sort yeah. of starting arc, yeah, and it just gets less interesting from there, as far as I'm concerned. But, the Punisher for, is really for, cool. For those of you watching uh, who haven't seen it yet, um, and spoilers aside, like yes, there is a four episode arc at the beginning. Sort of has a beginning, middle, and end. It involves the Punisher, but he is not gone from the show after that. Like he will be back uh, and is a recurrent character throughout the rest of the season. So, yeah, but I would say I mean, not in the way he was in the beginning. Like he, because it was his story. Later on, there's a bit, there's a bigger threat and all this kind of stuff. It's about other things, and I, but I just found that the initial story arc was more interesting than. Well, is it is it a spoiler to say who the villain is? Yes, like I mean, I I'm not even clear. Who, I'm not even clear who the big villain is at this. Well, point. it's not a big villain though, right? It's like a group. You know yeah, the group. Yeah, now I I I know the I know the group, and the group is pulled from the comics, and it's definitely a more <clears throat> mystical stuff. So it's stuff that like if you had, and they still do a good job of tying it into the 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 grounded crime world, but. Um, but I mean, it it requires much more of a suspension of disbelief than you might have previously had for this show. Um, I know there's a lot of people, for instance, that watch Lost, thinking that it was like an airplane crash show about survivors, and then next thing you know, it turns into a science fiction show, and they're like, "What the fuck? I hate science fiction, but it's too late. I'm too invested in this show," <laughs> you know. And and I feel like Daredevil's pulled a little bit of that on people as well, where it's very much like sort of an action crime drama slash super hero show and this uh there's always been to the daredevil character a mystic component and in the first season you know stick was in the first season and uh as well as as some of this stuff they 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 uh alluded to it but it's just really unfolding a lot more in the second half of the second season and i can understand that that could be less enticing it definitely feels less realistic than a lot of the stuff that you we've seen thus far on that show but you have to bear in mind this is a show that takes place in a world with thor and iron man and all this they're not pretending it's a different world right right but yeah but there is a bit of tone issue cuz sometimes it does feel like the normal world and then all of a sudden, yeah. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh wait, it's a superhero crap. I think if there's That's a disconnect there, like you would feel that maybe if you weren't paying enough attention. I'm, I'm so. The other thing worth mentioning is like, um, I'm really emotionally invested in this character in the sense that I, I have read a lot of Daredevil, and he, he's a character. When that movie came out that with Ben Affleck, and it, and it got so panned, and I thought, oh my god, I never realized the superhero movement was going to be so big, and I never thought that he was going to get a second crack at things. Um, but it really, uh, you know, I'm I'm wanting to see it do uh, to do well. But even with those blinders on, I feel like it's a pretty good quality show. Um, the the other thing, and Bo was mentioning the side characters. 
I almost feel like a lot of these superhero shows need to expand beyond the superhero cast and therefore to enforce the fact the superhero cast are different. They need to explore these side characters and um, Spider-Man in particular. And I know there'll never be a Spider-Man show because of the costs involved and stuff, but he has such a big supporting cast of characters, human characters that would be really interesting um, on a show, but th- those characters will never have room in a movie, you know, especially a movie where he's crossing over with all these like um, Captain America and stuff. So I would, I, after this Daredevil show, I just would love to see some of my favorite characters. I'd love a Batman show like this. Like, I would love it. They have Gotham, and everybody co- complains about Gotham being like, and it's true, is set like way before Batman arrives on the scene. So anyway, I would love a bat, like a live action Batman show. I feel like they could make one of those special effects wise, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah no, definitely a lot of these. The way, so the way comic books work, work, they're serial entertainment. Movies, in fact, are really counterintuitive to like their 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 originally intended format. So really, movies should always dissatisfy people, even if they're good. It's never enough. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's always like a story arc, and and you know the characters will, to a certain point, never die or whatever because they're comic book characters and they're going to come back or whatever. You know, well, that's just fine, but it has to keep going. It has to be more. It, yeah, and it's got to be where we're always that, more. Which is not superhero related, but Walking Dead, it's like the same story all the time, but it never gets old for me, anyways. But that's yeah. like The Walking Dead, which is just like people dying. Speaking of The Walking Dead. I mentioned this off the top. Resident Evil, 20 years old. Uh, and they're, they, if you are into Resident Evil stuff, they are having sales right now. I just bought a game for my Nintendo 3DS, Resident Evil Revelations. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it was 5 bucks instead of 20 bucks or something. But a lot of sales on Steam, on uh, PlayStation Network, on, on Xbox or whatever. You can get a lot of different uh, Resident Evil games. I think... Um, a lot of them don't necessarily hold up super well, even though they've done the the new Resident Evil remake. I think that that's a good way to to sort of reinvest yourself in it. But uh, but Bo, do you have much experience with the Resident Evil franchise? Um, yeah, like I've played a lot of it in the past. I I, I kind of dropped off. I think at three. which ones did you play? Do you remember one and two mainly? Did you play Code Veronica? No. I might have rented it and not played it. Well, see, here's the, here's the thing for me was that I played um, – so Resident Evil was one of the first sort of mature console games. Like when I say mature, I mean mature in like graphic content and stuff like that. You know, yeah. When Resident Evil 1 came out, like th- this was still in the era of Mortal Kombat and Doom being the big bloody games. And like there wasn't the wide selection of mature content there is now. So seeing Resident Evil and they had an opening movie. Did you ever see the original Resident Evil's opening movie? Like it's live action with actors. What, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's all like it uh, op- it's it's really it's, it. hila- yeah. it's hilarious. It's like B movie stuff because it came on C D, right, at the time. Sure. It's 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 really, really hilarious. The game soon as the game starts, it's all poly- polygonal. But like the intro cinematic is all like actors and stuff. Really, it's, it, it's, it's hilarious. It's been a while. I guess I've 
forgotten or something. So, well, I played yeah. the remake. Like, I was working for Nintendo at the time that they had a deal with Capcom for all these Resident Evil games, and they released the Resident Evil remake that they just put in HD. And the intro to that is really good, and it, it, it was done in super nice graphics. Uh, but the original Resident Evil intro was a, was a pretty big eyesore. So I played Resident Evil um, 1 at a friend's place. Uh, I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. 2 was released on the Nintendo 64. It was one of the only mature games that was released on the Nintendo 64. And I had a 64 and I, I rented it and, and played it. They played the shit out of it to completion and then some. Uh, and then I got a Dreamcast which is not that many people go to Dreamcast. And that's where Code Veronica came out on. And when I had it, like, it had the sexy graphics. Like, everybody was playing still original PlayStation. I was on my Dreamcast playing Code Veronica. I remember thinking a game could never have better graphics uh, than, <laughs> well, than that. you would be wrong. I never played Resident Evil 3. Uh, I, I, that's a lie. It came out on Dreamcast and I rented it one time, but it had such shitty graphics compared to Code Veronica that I had a hard time getting into it. So I just kind of – I didn't really play it that long. Um, I played uh, Resident Evil uh, 4. Um, I got that on GameCube obviously when it came out and I have it on Wii. I, I replayed it on Wii. I played that one probably more than any of them. I played through 5. I own 5. I never played 6, uh, which supposedly is awful. And so, yeah, I'm pretty well versed in Resident Evil. But at one point there was – around between 4 and 5, there was sort of a turn where 4 was again still kind of cutting edge. But then by the time 5 came out, the Gears of War games were out. There was a lot of much more nuanced, mature content uh, rather than just – Resident Evil, you know, it had to really perform and five was kind of like was all right, but it wasn't like there were other games out that were good, you know, better at the time. Yeah, I'm I'm Resident Evil to me is like it really just is the second game to me. The only the only game in that series that means anything to me is the second one. Well, I like the second one a lot, and it's it's uh, being remade right now. So uh, hopefully, well, when it I can... guess they have to, right? What else have they got going for them? Is Capcom, see, I, right? I, I want to see if they, if they put the money into it, like because for the first one when they remade it, they remade it years ago when they were hot to trot. Now they don't have much money, as much money anymore. I want to see what their Resident Evil Two remake is going to look like because mm-hmm. all they did for the Resident Evil One remake was they HD'd the version that was released on GameCube. So I I want to see what they're going to do. That they're going to actually be remaking it. Is it going to have crazy graphics? Is it going to have new control system? I don't know. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm excited for that one because Resident Evil Two, you play as two different characters, um, and you get two different experiences. And then when you finish the game with both of those, you unlock more stuff. Like I, I played, I played a lot. And there's one uh, unlock in Resident Evil Two where that you get a campaign where there's this guy that's chasing you. Umbrella sends him. He's like this big trench coated guy. Did you ever get to that? Uh, yeah. He scares the shit out of you because uh, that game is mostly designed as like when you change rooms, the enemies can't follow you from room to room. You know, like you open a door, there's the loading scene where you see the door open and then you get to the new room and you know you're safe from the enemy. Like even if whatever, that enemy will never come through that door. Right. But 
but it, this guy would start like walking through walls and stuff. Like there would be like little cutscenes where he would. Anyway, he was scary, and they developed the whole nemesis guy from the third game on him. On him, I think. But trench coat, evil trench coat man. That's what I called him. Scared the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, we talked about him on a previous episode. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, he always bears mention. Always it's remember a, it's evil a, trench it's coat. The title man. of one of our episodes actually is "Scary Trench Coat Man." We had this conversation. Really? We did. Yeah, but well, uh, I will mention him as many times as it takes. He, he was one of the more scarier ones, but I don't know. I'm kind of uh, Resident Evil. Meh. They could stop making them, please. At this point, I, like, I think there, it's, there are times. Do you think it's because they damaged the brand? Is that it? Or I just, just I just think that that kind of game has been better done in, uh, by other franchises now and so like there's nothing like it's it's over like it was designed to make you scared and it had a very particular style but it's a style that you know that's in the realm of indie games now like no one wants a triple a game in that style and the new way they've made their games they've just not worked for whatever reason like i've seen them and been actively turned off by like (laughs) the advertising for them and what i hear about them um like Resident, I guess I played Resident Evil Four, or maybe you were playing it, and I was watching it, and it seemed really cool. But it's just four like four is like my favorite. I yeah, think. but like as it gets more and more three D, I don't know. It's weird. It, it they just if people blame four as well for being like because four managed to maintain atmosphere and scare tactics and all this sort of stuff, but then. Um, it also introduced action and, and responsive gameplay <laughs> and uh and, and five just went full board with that. Made everything kind of faster. The zombies were more inspired from twenty eight days later, you know, like running yeah. at you a little more. Which could have worked, but instead it just got like it, it got a little too over the top. It was never a narratively tight game, but at that point the story had reached farcical standards as well. So I mean that's uh because a good story will keep you coming back if you want to see what the next step is in this this thing. But they had they had lost people by by then. The first three games happened in sort of a story arc, and Raccoon City gets nuked, and then the ones afterwards are kind of like it feels like they're kind of rehashing things a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, enough Evil. about that. Enough yes. about that. All right. So what else uh, is about fake Nintendo controllers? Yeah, so a lot of Nintendo news coming out this year. There's it's very much expected they're going to announce their new console at E3. They better because they've announced that the Wii U is going out of production, um, which one thing you could say about Nintendo is when something bombs, they pretty much ditch it. And uh, the Wii U has been performing so poorly that um, they're, they're – they are – putting it out of production normally to put it in perspective game consoles stay in production years after they finish like the wii you can still buy they're still producing the original wii uh but the wii u is like officially like they're not even making new ones anymore so that means that something's coming they've they've being transparent with the fact that they're working on something should be announced soon. Everybody's excited, but there were these fake um, controllers that were revealed online, and um, I think people uh, were—they're kind of wacky looking. They're sort of these oval things with—with with, um, they don't look ergonomic at all, and and they look pretty fake. Honestly, I think I I feel that I guess people were thinking they were prototypes and all this, but they've yeah. come they've been announced as fake. 
Um, so I think the bigger deal here is really just that that Nintendo is at a crossroads as a company in terms of console in the console space, and this, to, in my mind, is like going to be their um, their long bomb, their hell mary. Their their you're never supposed to count out Nintendo, but because uh, after the GameCube they were in rough shape, and then they hit it big with the Wii. But I have no idea what the Nintendo NX will be. What its final name will be, if they learnt any lessons from their last console, you know. But uh, but everybody's everybody's. You could tell by the the furor over the Nintendo NX controllers that people are interested in what they're doing. They want to see what's next. So I, we will see. I expect an E3 will hear. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing something exciting from Nintendo for me because it's been a very very long time. Uh, yeah. So no more Wii U. They're done with the Wii U. I think that um, you know how every, there's a lot going on with VR space. One thing that interests me is that Nintendo, where everybody zigs, Nintendo zags, right? So everybody's going to VR, and it, we're going to have tons of VR choices, right? We're going to have like, is you know, uh, Sony, Valve, Oculus, like we've got a lot of choices there. That's assuming Microsoft doesn't announce something, which I expect they probably will at one point. So that that leaves that leaves Nintendo again doing their own thing. So whatever they announce, if it's different to me, that's at least. I mean, I think we're well past the point where I would recommend that somebody only buys a Nintendo console. But a Nintendo console, I think, has always been a great complement to whatever else you have. And so, where, whereas I don't think you need three VR headsets, and you can just you know nail down one and get that you can complement it with whatever Nintendo comes out with. So I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that it's, it's something that's going to attract some third party publishers and not just Nintendo so that there's a good selection of games and such. Cause that's been one of their big problems in the past. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. A quick couple of things I wanted to just mention real briefly that I thought was interesting. Um, Battleborn and Lawbreakers, both not starting off free to play thought that was pretty interesting given that they were identified as MOBAs and that MOBAs go free to play initially. Um, that's, uh, I think maybe they're getting Overwatch-itis or something like that. So they're, they're charging up front for both their games. Thought that was real weird. Um, so, you know, if those are games you're interested in, be prepared to whip out your wallets and pay for them in advance. Um, Bioware actually released its new IP that it was working on. Uh, this guy, Alistair, Alistair McNally wore a shirt at GDC and then nobody noticed it. So he tweeted out, Hey, we had the new IP on my shirt the whole weekend at GDC and nobody noticed. So Nana na boo boo. So people have been trying to hunt down for pictures of his shirt, but apparently there aren't any. Um, so I thought that was pretty suave. Yeah. Nice. uh, What a jerk. What a troll. Um, uh, also, uh, in case you, we probably should talk about this somewhere else, but I just thought I'd mention it here. Um, we might have talked about it. Have you played um, Animal Crossing or what's the other one? There's animal, the two big ones, Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon. I think is the other one. I have played. Uh, I never really played a Harvest Moon, but I, I played some Animal Crossing yet. Well, if you like that game, there's this indie developer who made basically the best version of that game, according to the critical response, called Stardew Valley. It's available on Steam. 
and I'm hearing nothing but good things about it. I haven't played it, so I can't really talk about it in an expert way, but I thought this might yeah, be something you'd be I interested heard, in. I heard a lot about Stardew Valley as well, but, like, I mean, I never played Harvest Moon. It's gotten good reviews, but, like, I Animal Crossing has gotten good reviews. Harvest Moon has gotten good reviews in the past, and, and they've just never really enticed me to play like a farming simulator and, and that sort of stuff just and, and i know people are probably raging right now being like you gotta play stardew valley dude it's so good oh my god <laughs> but but uh but at the same point like it's just like it doesn't have the sexy graphics which is fine like doesn't have to yeah. but it doesn't have it doesn't have anything other than word of mouth going for it and i feel like bo schwartz with this game like bo bo often there'll be something super awesome everyone thinks it's good and bo will be like oh i don't want to play it because of something crazy and i'll be like bo what's wrong with you uh well this is one of those situations with me where i'm like it doesn't look that great like i'm sure it's probably good but yeah i, I mean totally, i totally get what you mean it looks like an indie game like it you know and it's only 16 bucks so really but 16 bucks is like i mean i have i just bought a resident evil game for five bucks you know like I, all i'm saying is uh is it it depends what you're – and it's also a time investment, right? So I, I got a bunch of games for Christmas. I'm still plowing through. I'm going to I'm gonna start Bloodborne. I'm going to play Fallout 4. Um, Uncharted 4 is on the way and stuff like that. All those games. I just – I only have a select amount of time. And, and yeah, maybe Stardew Valley would fill those – fill holes in the way that Rocket League does now for me. But I just yeah. – for I, it's I, just, I there's nothing it. sexy about it. I mentioned it only because I – you know, if you were – if you're a listener and this is the kind of game for you, like it's basically what I'm saying is it's a game made for the audience that loves it. Like if you're just a gamer and that's not your main thing and it's not critical for you to play it, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you do happen to like these kinds of games, apparently it's a paragon of its kind. So there you go. That's Stardew Valley. Um, you're also, a paragon of your kind. <laughs> I know. Um, well, that's not an insult. <laughs> um, it's unless my kind is something shitty. Um, Orcs Must Die Unchained uh, is also on its way. It's a uh, free-to-play tower defense MOBA hybrid. It was announced a few years oh, ago. Oh, you oh. and I both like Orcs Must Die, so um, I love Orcs Must Die. But as soon as you said free-to-play MOBA, those are all words I don't like. MOBA. Listen, I, it's the Orcs Must Die brand. I. They've executed real well on things, I think, for the first two games. So we'll see. I'm going to keep an open mind to it. Well, you uh, like MOBAs. Especially if it's free to play. Um, yeah, and sure, I love MOBAs. So, you know, that does, that's not a turnoff to me. Um, it could be real good. Anyways. To, uh, be, fa- to be fair, I haven't really played a MOBA. Like, I know. I've, I've played games with MOBA elements, but not necessarily... Uh... Well, mobile MOBA. elements like mobas are, are are based on RPGs, so every RPG you play is basically were the inspiration for mobas in a weird way. And RPGs. you're based on RPGs. <laughs> All right, let's uh, speak. Also, another segment we have on the show based on RPGs is the games for minute, and I'm going to now play the sound for it. You're always talking about making kids' minds like You've vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right, this is Games Per Minute, where we talk about the games we've been playing. And since the last time we did a show, which admittedly has been a little while, I've played pretty much nothing other than Heroes of the Storm and Overwatch. So there isn't too much for me to talk about, except um, they're both fun games, and I've been spending a lot of time playing them. Uh, Break it down percentage-wise, which one? 
Well, when uh, I got- 100% of the time you're playing games, how much percentage of it is Overwatch? It's probably 50-50. Because at this point, I've played Holy enough... shit, it's not 50-50. Yeah. There's no way it's 50-50. Yeah, because I basically was 100% of my time in Overwatch, and I played it for a good week and a half to two weeks. And it's been three weeks since we last did a show. So um, then I'm like, I kind of had enough of Overwatch. Like, I'm kind of like, I don't want to play until it comes out. Except I'm getting a little bit of games here and there. But, like, mostly I prefer Heroes of the Storm as a game. And I'm get, I need to get back to playing that. So um, I've been I switched back to Heroes mostly now. So you prefer it as a game? Huh? I like Between the at, two? At the core level of gameplay, it's the one that... that yeah, like, that, I prefer the gameplay of Heroes of the Storm over Overwatch. But it's not to the discredit of Overwatch. They're two very different games. And mainly because Overwatch is very, like... It's very simple strategically. It's a shooter game. As shooters go, shooters are more simple than an RTS. Like there's so many more moving parts going on in MOBAs and in RTSs than a shooter game. It, it doesn't compare, and so I'm not as interested in it from a broad level. But Overwatch, what it does do is it executes what it is really well. So it's super fun and engrossing to play. But it's you know between the two, if I had to choose one, I'm going to play Heroes. It has more depth. Yeah, it's more depth, more challenging, and I'm just more into it. So, yeah. you know, that being said, it's easy to wow the way hours playing Overwatch. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But at the same time, um, Overwatch is like control, go fight over con- point A. And it's like the best possible version of a game like that. But that's all it is at the end of the day. It's like, to me, it's not as much. But isn't that what heroes? Isn't that what heroes is? You go and you fight over points. Um, well, no, you have three lanes and you've got to push the lanes in. And there are objectives that come up: static objectives and map specific objectives. And there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions that are not just like do this one thing. You have a choice of doing three or four different things in certain you know given time and coordinate the efforts of five different people. And where you are on the map matters a lot, just like kind of in football or something like that. In Overwatch, I don't know, if you get a lot of kills, I mean, there's strategy to it. It's just not as in-depth because it's like it's one lane and it's one thing and everyone just has to be the better shooter team than the other team. So it's not as strategically interesting to me and it's a game I don't prefer as much. So anyways, there you go. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough. Now, I have been playing Heroes of the Dorm or watching Heroes of the Dorm that's uh that's good i enjoy that quite a bit so uh you know <laughs> wait wait a second you're getting so okay um i i'm still playing dying late light which was uh which i think i mentioned two or three weeks ago now bear in mind i only play an hour or so a night maybe a couple hours a night but it's it's a game that i've put a lot of time into um so far and it's kind of funny because i didn't expect it to be i left like metal gear solid 5 and i sort of was looking for a a game having gone you know through the witcher 3 and then metal gear solid 5 and yes i played games like the order that were shorter and kind of like a a refreshing break i thought this was kind of going to be one of those but no it's like i have put a lot of time in it and not only have i put a lot of time in it i'm kind of delaying finishing it so i mean there's a bunch of side quests you can do and so forth and i'm 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 trying to do them so uh it's still compelling um Based on on stuff that I said last time, I will I, I would indicate that for those of you who are thinking about playing Dying Light, 
I played it on hard. I have no regrets about playing it on hard. However, uh, and I think I mentioned last time about the penalty in dying, and they have penalties for dying in this game um, that makes it makes it scary. Uh, but I would I would also indicate that um, that it's really hard at the beginning. At the very beginning, like when you start playing that game, you might put it on hard and be like, holy shit, this game is way too hard. Why am I playing it on hard? The game actually gets substantially easier as you go on and you unlock new skills. Your character gets better. You get better weapons. You understand the game mechanics better. Um, like all the all these things uh, make the game substantially easier to the point now where my character feels like quite a badass. I still die fairly regularly in fact but it's it's less due to um a simple one simple zombie being a killing me and more now like a giant threat kills me because at the beginning like you read one zombie and you're like oh fuck i gotta run because there's very little that you can do except kick him away from you and hit him with a wrench that probably doesn't do that much damage so um it's really scary at the beginning and it's scary throughout, but now I I'm like, I'm sort of like an, an ass kicking machine. So um, I'm enjoying it on a different level and it kind of me, it takes away some of the fear, but then makes it more about gameplay and fun and all that sort of stuff. So there's always a balance. Um, and, and, and not just, um, not just the fighting, but like scavenging, yeah. uh, doing the quest, leveling up. Um, cause both the, the way they, they, punish you sort of is you have three tiers of leveling you've got your agility and you get agility points from for climbing on shit so like anything you do will pretty much get you agility points then you got combat points and that's for obviously fighting and then you have survivor levels and survival levels are kind of like you have to do quests to to, to uh, get XP. You have to save like there's random events that can happen like a, so, uh, somebody gets attacked or whatever. You save them. You get you get an XP. Uh, and then when you go up those survivor levels, you get kind of big character upgrades. Like you can carry more shit, or you can, you can, um, and eventually you get stuff like the grappling hook. And like there's a lot of there's a lot of cool shit um, going going up survivor levels. But what happens is if you die, if you get killed, depending on what level you are, you lose a certain amount of survivor points. Now you can never go down a level. So you can get to zero points on a level. They won't yeah. downgrade you the level if you keep dying. So if you fight a boss and he keeps killing you over and over, at one point you won't get any more penalties because you're at the base of your level. Okay. But it can't it can be really like annoying. You get to like ninety five percent of leveling up your survivor rank and then you die and you lose a big chunk and you go down and then you die again and then you lose a big chunk it adds fear to the equation because you don't want to die um because until as soon as you cross that survivor rank then you feel pretty good you feel like oh somebody could kill me because i'm not going to downgrade and i'm near the bottom of the rank but when you're like just about to level up you're like oh my god please nobody kill me because i'm going to lose like six thousand xp here or whatever it's just enough to add fear to the game you know Okay. Well, I mean, that's good. So you enjoy it overall, the, that sort of balance then. Well, yeah, I think it's a trick. It's a tricky it thing to do because I think we've gotten away from in games um, penalizing people for dying. Um, it, when I worked on MMOs back in the day, everybody would get penalized. You, When you died in an MMO, you got like, what was it? 
you had to sometimes you had to go back and find your body and loot your corpse to get your ship back sometimes you had an xp penalty like there were some brutal penalties um and uh in single player games it's gotten easier and easier where you can run into a room and die and then you just say retry and you start right outside that room and you can go and do it again and again and this game has a bit of that but it couples it with the losing xp so you don't want to die it doesn't make you retread the same areas over and over again um but it penalizes you in in a way that is annoying enough, but not so annoying. Like if you keep dying, as I said, at one point you're you're gonna you're not gonna be able to lose any more XP. Um, if you started downgrading levels, that would have been brutal. Like if you go down, oh, you're going down a level now. I would have been like, fuck this, because my character would still be at level one if that's the case. But luckily. Uh, Luckily, you can as soon as you level up, you're good. You're good. So it's it's not a feature that people talk about much when they talk about dying light, but it it is something I would like to see brought into other games. The idea that you get penalized when you die. Okay. Well, um, I think that's probably as as unpunishing as they could make it because you are losing something. You're still losing the time, the respawn time, and the XP, which is time in the game. So. Well, they could make know. you lose. They could make you lose like your gear, for example. Like your body could die, and then you'd have to go back and get your gear again. That I've seen stuff like uh, that in games. Run. Yeah, I don't like that shit. I, I like the and, and also like there's little achievements like the, the airplanes. Or you're in this sort of rundown zombie infested city, and there are airplanes that do drops, supply drops, and you got to race to get those supplies, and then you bring them back to the quartermasters and you will get like massive XP bonuses. However, yeah. if, if, you, if you're really fast to get to the supply, you can just grab it. You have to pick the lock or whatever, but then you just grab the supply. But if you're not super fast, you will, you will, there'll be other survivors there, generally evil ones, and you will have to fight them for it. And at the beginning, other human beings were fucking unbeatable. If they're already there, I just leave. But later in the game, when when you're badass like me, I walk up to them. I'm like, bring it, suckers. And then I take them all out like a violent badass. Sweet. Oh, all right. So that's your time in Dying Light. So have you finished it yet or are you just – no, but I do this thing sometimes, and I do this with video games from time to time, where I go onto a walkthrough online. I don't read any of it. I just do the, the the I go to the story sort of table of contents to get an idea of how far I am in the game. Right. And and I'm I'm pretty close to the end. Like I think okay. I'm like two missions from the end of the game. Okay. I feel like some main characters have just gone. <laughs> so I mean, I'm pretty sure that it's near pretty the sure end. You're almost there. All right. And you've been playing more Rocket League, have you? Oh yeah, and just filling filling in the blanks and stuff. I got my internet working a little bit better, so I've been playing some Rocket League. Uh, I'm doing pretty good, but I'm not like uh, my teams are doing well, but I'm not individually doing that well. I feel like I sort of capped out in skill level, so kind of yeah. blows. Well, you know, the, the reward in those games is the journey, not that you need validation to get to rank one or anything like that. So, 
Yeah. No, I I mean their new rank system, I don't even really understand it. Their season 2 rank system in Rocket League, but it's uh it's uh, still awesome. Like uh it fits my schedule pretty nicely. But I Dying Light's a game that's also really easy to pick up and play for like just a little while. Um, as opposed to some of these um, games that become just impossible to put down. I can just do a run for supplies or something and then then put down the controller. So I, I have been playing less Rocket League. When I'm done Dying Light, I'll, I'll, I'll be l- looking to figure out what my next game in Conquest is, but I'm thinking it's I'm going to give Bloodborne a try. I got it for Christmas, and so it's burning a hole in my pocket. All right. Well, um, the, that's great. So that's the games we've been playing this week. Crofton has been playing the crap out of Dying Light. Someday he'll return to Witcher 3 because I know he has an expansion to play. I don't think he's finished yet. but I'm halfway through that expansion, but uh, and and I feel like I feel like I want the Witcher on my super sweet PC, but uh, as opposed to the PS4. But I, I um, there's going to be a new expansion that's coming out, and I think I'm just going to wait for it to come out. I'll play both of them at once. It'll right. be like a whole Witcher sequel. I'll be so happy. <laughs> sweet. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to the dialogue tree. Now that there is one fine dialogue tree. All right, so this is the dialogue tree where we talk about, you know, topics, hot topics in the video game industry, things that we're interested in discussing, and sometimes just stuff that's for fun. Excuse me. And this week, we're going to talk about the scariest games of all time. Ooh. All right, Crofton, what's your scariest game of all time? Just in time for Halloween. Oh, wait. It's Easter. No, uh, it's a real bad We're doing it because of the Resident Evil thing. The, scar- the scariest games of all time are tough because, like, really, if you look back and think what your scariest game is, it's probably not as scary as you think it is. Like, because you probably played it when you were a kid or whatever, right? Because I'm just playing Dying Light right now. And Dying Light, as I mentioned last episode, has this feature when you're running, you can press and look behind you and it'll show you what's behind you. And it sort of slows it down. So, like, there'll be, like, a giant zombie chasing you, and he jumps out, and you press the look behind button, and he's, like, right behind you, and it scares the shit out of you. So I would say, and because of the penalty of death, it's fresh in my mind as a really scary game. Like, I find it's way scarier than it got got pressed for. But if you ask me what my scariest one of all time is, like, what scared me the most when I played it originally – it's the very, it's the very first alone in the dark game. Mm. Alone in the dark, like I never this is that one. not any of the remakes. Like this is like 1991 or two. Alone in the dark. It was one of the first polygonal 3D games I ever played, and uh, it takes place in this old manor called Deserto, and it's it's uh, it, it's sort of a precursor to the original Resident Evil. You can use a lot of things as melee weapons. You fight zombies. Um, but just the way it was sort of like choreographed and put together in the atmosphere and the age I was at the time I played the game, I just found it so creepy and so scary. Now, obviously, if you went back and played it now, it would not be scary. But at the time, for me, it was scary. So it would be my scariest game of all time at that moment. Hmm. How about you? I know what my scariest games are pretty pretty easy because they're they traumatize me so much they're fresh in my mind um these the scariest game 
in my 18 and up world, my adult life, was Doom 3, in fact. And, and part of the reason for that is that I insisted on playing that with all the lights off, with the volume really loud in my headphones, at night. And it was so scary at one point, my brother-in-law at the time, or it was my sister's fiance, they never ended up getting married, but Mike Gravel, if you're, if you're listening, hello, um, he, he actually snuck up behind me and grabbed my headphone like this and then at the right moment raised it and yelled in my ear super loud and I swear to God, I shit myself, it was so scary, <laughs> it was the worst, he got me real good and... Um, and that's like that's the level of intensity I was playing Doom Three in was this like crazy atmosphere because part of the scary games is that like they're not scary by themselves you've got to set the mood and another good one to set the mood with is a little game called Dead Space which I think they execute on a lot of the scares in that game real well so Doom Three and Dead Space are by far my top picks for scary games. Now, I have one more honorable mention. As a child, the game I was scared the most of was Space Quest 1. I was very young. Really? But when you land on Corona, everywhere you go, the damn sandworms would come out of the ground and eat you. And oh, also, that's right. I freaking hated trying to figure out that Orat because you have to get the Orat flesh or whatever. Like that, that whole Corona area before you get to Ulan's Flats was just insanely scary to me and actually some of the space quest parts of the game were kind of scary too because i remember being real freaked out about the terminator uh, robot in um that's space, space quest, quest 3. 3 yeah so like i found those gate like that's that's it's a real throwback but those games actually those parts of those games really freaked me out because you could die so easily and you were really trying not to and you had to reload and you know. What's funny too yeah. is is like they're they're essentially comedic games and and um, but at the time like be, because of the age in which you play them, you take different impressions out of them. So the Terminator in that game was an homage to the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, and like it was like poking fun at them. But like I hadn't I was too young to have seen any of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. So for me, he's just this killing machine that's prowling the desert that's looking to get me. You know. So he was scary too. I do remember there's two ways of killing him. And, uh, and, but I was I, like, you know, he would follow you around from scene to scene. And it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty scary dude. Uh, definitely. That's a, that's an interesting, interesting way of looking at it. Like scary moments in some games that were not necessarily known to be scary the whole time. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe if you're an adult, it wasn't scary. It's just, because remember, in order to deal with things, you had to think of the text commands and type them in. And I'd just be like, what do I do? I have no idea like what I'm supposed to type in like to figure this thing out. So it would be like really, really stressful because, um, you know, For, there's like, no way it's out. Fu- <laughs> it's funny, though, because we were, we were kids and I put myself in like my, my – as a kid playing – like if you stumbled upon a game like Dead Space now yeah. – it would just mess you up. Sure. Like it would be yeah. so it would be scary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Although, Dead, Spe- uh, Dead Space, I agree, is a really, really uh, well, well orchestrated, scary game. You know, the yeah. first one in particular. But I would say about the current games that we have, like in a lot of those games, the way out of them is to shoot your way out, which is like you always have this agency, even if the game's scary. You have a way to shoot yourself out, but it's the games that don't offer those kinds of easy solutions to scary things. You know, like 
I remember even in the Junker in Space Quest 3 trying to figure out my... Like, you land inside this garbage ship and there were guards around. You had to sneak around and let the guards not see you. But you couldn't fight any of them. You just had, Like, I don't know. My young brain was, like, super freaked out about sneaking around on that junk ship trying but to I find think, my way But I around. think that's a good point. Like, how helpless you are as a character. Like, I think of Alien Isolation, which is a, a game that is fairly recent, a couple of years old. But the whole concept of that is, like, you cannot kill the alien. It's, like, one alien, and it just pops out. Oh, like yeah. that trench coat I, man I, I, I bought that earlier. game. I still haven't played it yet. I should really No, I, I, haven't, I haven't bought it or played it either. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I haven't is I hear that they have um, – they have like uh, done a, uh, a sort of Oculus Rift version of it, and I, I have a feeling that that will only be perfected once there's a retail version of the Rift. And I feel like if I want to really scare the shit out of myself, I'm going to save that one for when when I have a VR headset and I'm looking for something to try because okay. I feel like that would scare the living bejesus out of me. You can mod the current one, and I could plug it into my Oculus and take it for a spin. This is possible. Yeah, good luck. Oh, um, maybe but, I'll do it. Mike, maybe for next, that'll be my homework for next episode. If Mike Ravel scares you, then I can tell you that this the alien will scare you. Another, um, I agree with the shooting yourself out, but one thing um, Resident Evil and Dying Light does to a certain extent was uh, provide you with a limited amount of ammunition or even in resident evil evil's case you had a limited amount of save ability because you'd have to get rib um uh typewriter ribbons to save your game and there was only a limited amount and if you didn't if you used them all up you could (laughs) no longer save you know what i mean and um and uh, that was that was always sort of like uh, it was an interesting technique to build the stress, but limited amounts of of assets and stuff. And uh, I think of The Last of Us, which is a scary ass game uh, on all intents and purposes. I would say like of modern games, even more so than the original Dead Space, I would say The Last of Us has moments the creature design and everything the clickers the way the way that they the sound works and and how they can't see you but they can hear you and oh man it's a creepy ass game yes you can shoot guys but some of them can take a lot a lot of hits and also your ammunition is very limited and the items that you pick up to craft are really limited so when you place a limit on on yourself i i think that that creates a, a sizable amount of, of fear, especially playing on the higher difficulty levels. And I give an um, an honorable mention to a couple of games that I haven't really like. Everybody talks about Amnesia: The Dark Descent, and I played that on uh, my PC. I could never really get into it, and I played it years after it was released. The story was kind of convoluted. I did. There was a couple of areas where it was kind of scary, and it was getting getting me going. But I never got invested in in the location in the narrative. I know that it's probably a scary ass game, but it never really worked, or I never got deep enough into it to really do that uh, uh, to myself. And uh, what was another one? Oh, Outlast is is one that came out a couple of years ago. Everyone talks about, it. and I think that's another one, Bo, like you said, where you can't hurt anybody like you can't attack you just have to hide from yeah. the monsters yeah. and move from one place to the other and hope they don't see you so yeah. you feel vulnerable oh what's that there's another new one outlast is the one where you go insane too you have to manage a 
That's not Outlast. So, Outlast is the new one from a company. I think they might have made the Amnesia one. Amnesia one that you, you mentioned, Amnesia, right? Yeah. They, that's Amnesia. the one they talked about, uh, the insanity meter. I played Eternal Darkness on Nintendo 64, which had a sanity sort of thing. Uh, and everybody talked about how scary it was or whatever. But I never really felt like – I sort of knew for the most part. They tried a couple of tricks to, to make you – think that shit was going on like one was like this corrupted save file that was supposed to like scare you into thinking your save was fucked but i never uh i never really bought into because all the reviews had said the insanity effects are so cool and some of them were some of them were were cool but i always knew like what was going on so it never really scared me that much right so it's tough fear especially as an adult like fear is a tough is a tough thing there's like jump scares and there's atmosphere scares and like silent hill has often been um touted as a a game that is really good with atmosphere scares and i've only played one silent hill game and it's silent hill 2 and it was disturbing like honestly it was a disturbing game and uh, i never thought i never at first thought it was scary but now i realize i never have wanted to play any other silent hill games and when i think back to silent hill 2 i kind of get like the heebie-jeebies and it's it's not as much fear as it is creep out like i, I find it a creepy ass yeah it's disturbing game. like the thing is disturbing yeah so so i mean are you talking about the thing video game john or the movie john carpenter's the john carpenter's the thing i haven't played the yeah. video game actually but there was a nineteen. Uh, there was sort of a PlayStation it, Two yeah. era video game. Yeah. I played it. It was scary too, actually. Yeah, but I remember like the movie. The movie still holds up. Like not a lot of older scary movies actually hold up. Like the visual effects obviously look fake, but it's not a type kind of movie that's like scary because of jump scares or the. It's just disturbing. What yeah. the way the th- in that original movie just is disturbing and it's isolated so it works. I watched it for the first time ever like a few years ago and was thoroughly creeped out by the thing. I loved it. It was great. It was an old movie that didn't it felt kind of timeless when I saw it. So um yeah. The video game that does a kind of neat job of simulating some of like how the thing can take over people or whatever. But uh, but yeah, it was scary at the time as well. The whole thing is how graphics age and how how uh, at, things that are atmospheric at one point can become almost like ridiculous at another point. So I would always say to people, if you're looking for a scary game, for the most part, look modern. There's some exceptions that may stand up. I hear a lot of talk about System Shock 2, which is a game I missed, and, and they're always talking about like ways that you can make it look prettier. But, but uh, There's another one Bi- coming too. Yes, uh, yeah. And Bioshock is um, is another game that was that does a really good job in kind of like exploiting atmosphere. If you first play Bioshock, you go down in this bathosphere and you arrive at Rapture. There's like a horrific opening scene where like you're being – like one of these splicers is trying to break into your bathosphere. It's very, it, it is very scary. Like you really feel like you're playing a survival horror game and the game does. And there are other sequences. Like there's a ba- like a baby's carriage and the shadow on the wall and all this sort of stuff. But things kind of, as the game gets more actiony and moves along, becomes less of a, um, 
less of a horror game and more kind of an action game. So I wouldn't put it there as one of my scariest of all time, but it's definitely another honorable mention. Sure. So a lot of a lot of games like that that start off with that scary atmosphere turn into the action games that they are. You know, that, yeah, that's definitely a thing. Like uh, that that the New Order, the Wolfenstein, the New Order has some disturbing stuff in it, but it's never scary. You know, like it just isn't. It, yeah, that's yeah. not the tone of it. But there's stuff in there that like, you know, there's a part where the woman gets her face blown up, but she's not dead. And then she's in your face talking to her with her like deformed mouth and all that. It's disgusting, but it's cool. <laughs> it's not, you're like, oh, cool. She got messed up. Cool. <laughs> well, it, honestly, I would invite listeners like Scary Games is one of those things that it, everybody's got a different perspective. You can I've searched many times like what are the top scariest games, especially around Halloween. I always feel like, oh, maybe there's one I missed, you know, um, I feel like that they are they don't sell tremendously well because a lot of people don't like getting scared i i totally do it's my video games like i'm not a big horror movie guy and i don't like many scary things but one thing i do like is scary video games and maybe it's the agency that makes it so compelling but for if you have a great scary video game suggestion that we have potentially missed please let us know we would love to hear from you but before i tell you where you can reach us let us talk about what our recommendations are the week are in a section uh of the show we call inventory management oh all right inventory management it's where we answer the question spend your cash or vendor trash Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Yep, inventory management is where we let you know whether you need to spend your cash or vendor trash, as I think we said already. But, um, all right, Crofton, what's your recommendation this week? So, I sort of cheated a little bit this week based on the Resident Evil thing. Uh, there's a certain type of type of games. I could have picked any of these Resident Evils I liked. You guys probably have played them all, whatever. It's not uh, – I thought it wasn't worth using my pulpit to draw attention to them. But there's a subset of games that have existed for a long time in arcades, light gun games. These are the games where you get your fake gun and you get to shoot stuff. They're generally super transparent. Uh, Resident Evil tried one in, on the PlayStation 1, I think, and it was horrible, like Resident Evil out break or something i don't know it was no no soul survivor or something it was no good anyway however in the last generation of consoles uh both dead space and resident evil put out a series of light gun shooters mainly for the wii and as much as you want to bitch about the wii for motion controls one thing that that it was really good for was aiming like link's crossbow training sort of highlighted it in, in demo form but dead space uh, I think it's Extraction, and which is now available for PlayStation Move as well. You can get it on, on – and, and the Resident Evil, I think it's Dark Side Chronicles and Umbrella Chronicles are the, the light gun games. And they are the best light gun games ever made. And that's not saying much uh, because light, game, light gun games notoriously suck because they're – or don't suck but are really basic because they're made for arcades to suck in your quarters. So they expect – you know it's like Virtua Cop. They expect it will be done pretty quick. But these games were made 
to, to with full story arcs, they let you in the Resident Evil case experience the whole Resident Evil story in a compressed fashion. And in Dead Space, it's a whole different story that gives you sort of an origin to the original incident in the original Dead Space. It's the best game of them all, the best light gun game ever made. And not only is it really fun to play solo, it's a fan, super fun to play as a friend with a friend. And uh, some of the Dead Space weaponry in per- particular, there's like this um, – what is it called? It's like the ripper or the grinder or something. It shoots like a giant saw blade that hovers in front of you. Well, it's super fun to hold that in front of you with like the Wii controller or the PlayStation Move and like just chop the crap out of limbs out of people everywhere. Um, it's just done really, really well. My wife and I played through all of them. They're really fun to play uh, together and they're kind of underappreciated hmm. in my opinion. So uh, I'm lumping them all together. Dead Space, Resident Evil, Light Gun games uh, for the Nintendo Wii or the the PlayStation Move and that sort of stuff. Definitely worth checking out. I would say Dead Space Extraction may be my second favorite Dead Space game after the original. So Wow. I should come over and try that because it's a part of the Dead Space world that I never played before. It came for they, – they gave it away for free I think when you bought Dead Space 3 on PlayStation 3. It oh, came nice. with Extraction wow. or something like that. Wow. I forget what the deal was, but it was it, – yeah, it is really good. You would like it, but uh, the one thing is is the the graphics now are, are – while very good for the Nintendo Wii are SD graphics, not HD graphics. Yeah, it's hard, it's yeah. hard to go Pass. back to that. Pass. <laughs> Pass. You can get an HD version now on PlayStation Move, yeah. but I don't have that version. Yeah. Apparently, there's a new – I can't remember the title of it. There's a, a newer light gun game, um, an indie game available on Steam right now. Um, if you're into liking games, actually, but I can't remember what it's called. So, put method for Steam. Like, how would you? Is it just a mouse? That'd be yeah, boring. Yeah, you, you can do mouse, you can do keyboard, but ultimately, it's compatible with light guns. So, the way you want to play is with light guns. I I would just point out as well, um, the Dead Space Extraction also has possibly the worst cover art of all time. So. Uh, I just, I just, if you see the cover art and are like, what the fuck is Crofton talking about? It is, uh, I just want you to know that it is not as bad as the cover art suggests. So, Bo, what is your pick for this um, week? I actually, I, oh shit, I don't have a pick this week. <laughs> Sorry, no you pick do, this week. I took a really long time to give you time to formulate your thoughts. Uh, yeah, but I was listening to you. Um, hmm. All right. Well, you know what? You know what, uh, Turok, it's available on um, uh, Steam right now. It's sort of a re-release. That was a game for, I believe, the N64 originally. was a fantastic first-person shooter that I spent a lot of time playing. So I'm going to recommend that. It's not scary, so it doesn't you know, go on the theme uh, of a lot of our show. But, well, the theme can suck it. So, um, Turok, uh, if you haven't had the pleasure, then you might not get as much out of this, but if you did play the original Turok back in the N64 days, you remember just how much fun this original was. I haven't played it, it but I'm making it actually my recommendation. hold up, though, do you think? The like, reviews if somebody... on Steam right now are overwhelmingly positive, and I'm sure a lot of that is fueled by nostalgia, but nostalgia alone doesn't carry these re-releases. Sometimes... Um, if the re-releases are bad, especially if they're bad ports, they get tons of low reviews. So the fact that it's overwhelmingly positive out of 611 reviews is very positive. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now on Steam. Man, those graphics look shitty, but they definitely Nintendo 64 era. Uh, so. so it was originally released in 97, but the re-release happened in just December in 2015. So um, that's going to be my recommendation. If you want to relive a classic first-person shooter game, this is the one. Yeah. So you're just to be a hundred percent clear here, you are recommending a game you have not played. Well, I have played it on the N sixty four. So but you're not referring people to the N sixty four version, you're setting them to the Steam version, right? I am, yes. And I'm All I right. feel confident of that based on the reviews in there. I think I wouldn't have done it if 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 they were negative. But because they're positive, I trust my fellow gamers to be buttholes. <laughs> at the slightest nuance or at the slightest thing making something a bad experience that uh, I feel very confident in this recommendation. All right. Well, if you have a recommendation for us, what are your scariest games? Is there something that we've forgotten? Let us know. Uh, go to exmpodcast.com for all our stuff. You can email us uh, directly uh, at exmpodcast at gmail.com. Twitter, tweet us send us a message on twitter start a conversation about scariest games at exm podcast uh, we have a, a facebook page facebook.com slash exm podcast as well um and uh we live stream generally on sunday evenings now we've moved our live stream time and we do that on twitch tv so twitch.tv slash exm podcast uh, we have a sister podcast it's called the good bad or bullshit show and it's uh, done with a third guy who's not as good as us, but he's there. Um, and you can uh, you can check that out at goodbadbull.com. My name is Crofton Sears. His name is Bo Schwartz. We are individuals of an individual nature. Bo Schwartz, if people wanted just to talk to you and not talk to me, how would they do that? Well, you can uh, tweet at me, at Bo Schwartz, and I may tweet back and say hello. But you can follow me and find out the things that I do. All right, and uh, you can do the same to me at Crofton Steers. Just you know, tweet, tweet all that stuff. You know, like Crofton, you should break out on your own. You're the breakout star of the show. You know, all the stuff that people say every week to me, over and over. You know, I, I'll favorite it. You know, retweet it, and that sort of thing. So yeah, again, your scariest games. Exmpodcast at gmail dot com. So uh, before closing out the show, we are going to have a very spooky. Master Game Theater Quote of the Week. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Yep, it's Master Game Theater time. Time for a performance. And this one looks like a bit of a surprise to me. I'm, I'm not sure uh, what we're doing here. So, cross so lay the groundwork. From, here's the thing. We've done a quote from Resident Evil before but because it's the 20th anniversary we had to go back and i figured like instead of doing the jill sandwich or master of unlocking that everyone's done uh that we would have like a, a jill valentine barry burton sort of conversation piece here uh it, this sort of draws attention to the absolute ridiculous uh ridiculousness of the resident evil voice acting so one of us I think Bo, you look like a Barry Burton, and I'm willing to up my the 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 uh, the pitch of my voice wow. to do a a, a, wow. I'm a Jill Valentine. I got Barry. Wow. Yeah, I know. I I just you sort of look like Barry Burton. So uh, I hope uh, that's if, a compliment. I forget I what Barry looks I like. If Barry. I recall, Barry. 
Yeah, so so you just just be kind of like possible roughly. for us to even be as bad as they are. I feel like it's inhuman how bad the voice acting is in Resident Evil. Like it's the stuff of legends. Yeah, no, it's uh, so just he- camp camp it up, buddy. Camp it up. All right, <clears throat> you ready for right. this? All right, well, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll yeah. see you next time. Thanks, Barack Obama. Is that you, Jill? How come you look so scared? Look at this. What do you think of it? I've been thinking something's wrong with this house. Right. Hey, what is this? There's a page missing. Yeah, I thought about that too. Perhaps that was the most important part. I did that right is that I did that wrong in the right way does that make sense <laughs> <laughs>